0: Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini. Michigan, like many states, has been working on changes to laws in special education to make sure the rules are up to date and following the laws that are set down in the Federal Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, or IDEA, which are the main requirements on how special education is to be handled across the United States. Now, Last December in Lansing, the Joint Committee on Administrative Rules was going to approve some changes to the Michigan Administrative Rules for Special Education that would have severely impacted parent participation in their children's education. The Joint Committee was holding a public meeting to take comments from parents back on December 11th when an unexpected guest stepped forward. Michigan's Lieutenant Governor Brian Kelly asked the committee to not approve the proposed changes and take no further action because he believed that there needed to be more participation from parents in the process. The committee agreed and shelved the rules. Now, since that time, Lt. Gov. Kelly has been embarking on a series of open meetings across the state of Michigan, where he invites parents to talk about their experiences with special education in their local districts. He's also created an online survey for Michigan parents to highlight their experiences, both good and bad, in dealing with special education services in their own districts. And I'm pleased to say that he's joining us now on Special Parents Confidential to talk about these meetings and why he's taken such a personal interest in special education in Michigan. Lieutenant Governor Kelly, thanks for taking the time to be a guest on Special Parents Confidential.
1: It's my, my pleasure. Anything I can do to reach more parents.
0: That's great. Um, well, I suppose we should get right to it because I know your time is limited. This all started back on December 11th of 2014 when you attended the uh, Joint Committee on Administrative Rules meeting, which was going to approve the proposed changes to the Michigan Administrative Rules for Special Education. And you asked the committee not approve the rules because there wasn't enough parent participation. Can you take us back to that day and give us an overview on what rule, the rule changes were that were being proposed and how they would affect special education in Michigan?
1: I think one of the problems really was that the that it wasn't clear exactly what the impact of the rules and the rule changes would be. Um, the The department had presented them as though um, they were um, technical types of changes, mm-hmm. um, trying to match up language at the state and the federal level uh, to to make it easier to implement. I was concerned, though, that uh, that several of the aspects of the rule changes would allow. Um, the the process of establishing IEPs and delivering services to to special education students um, that 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 process wouldn't be as inclusive as it needed to be when it came to uh, getting the input of of, uh, of parents in the uh, in that process early in the process, but then throughout and and uh, and the establishment of the uh, of the services that were offered to kids. So that was really that was the part that I was most concerned. My reading of the rules or my interpretation of the rule uh, changes um, would have resulted in um, potentially less input from, um, from, uh, from parents, especially in that process.
0: Right, and you're very concerned about this because, unlike a lot of our elected officials, you actually have a daughter with autism, and so it's very personal for you. How has your family been impacted by special education in your district?
1: Well, with uh, in, in my district, we've actually had a, a, a very good um, experience. Now, that's not to say it's been easy. Right. I feel like we've been on a on a journey. Like everybody's been learning together, mm-hmm. uh, trying to um, trying to really understand what is the best way to. Uh, to deliver education to a child with autism, and, and to be blunt about it, a lot of our you know a lot of a lot of districts don't really have the, the resources and the expertise to um, to um, to de- deliver the real evidence-based type of um, uh, special education services around uh, kids with in this case with autism. But I think in a lot of cases um, there's there are missing pieces that, um, in, in, our, in our case, over the course of the last few years, we've, we've really um, tried to, to blend or coordinate what happens outside the school with what happens in the school. So, for example, with the behavioral plan, uh, we want the expectations and the methods and, the, um, and the, um, the, the setup around our child to be consistent throughout her day. We don't want one set of expectations and methods inside a school and have that conflict with um, with what is happening outside of school. It's taken; it literally has taken a few years to get that to get on the track where we're at right now. But just kind of keeping at it and believing in the uh, and the potential has made a, um, a a big difference. But it's really important for uh, for school districts to remain. Flexible to to be willing to try new things and to and to respect that parents know their kids best. They know their kids better than anybody else, and so that voice, that insight, that expertise on on a particular child uh, that comes from a parent is uh, is critically important to the process. And I think the the bigger voice that we give it, uh, the better the outcomes will be.
0: Right, right, and of course that's what uh, alarmed you so much about the uh, proposed rule changes too.
1: Was that um, while while you could make the argument that the rule changes didn't require that a that a parent's voice be diminished in any way, it allowed for it. And as we see lawsuits and things happening in in districts around the around the state, I I, I just couldn't see taking any steps that um, that allowed for. Um, a, uh, a diminished role for the parents' voice in the uh, in the IEP process.
0: Right. Well, let's talk about the reactions now, because since the start of the year uh, 2015, now you've been going across the state of Michigan to hold open meetings on special education. Um, what do you want to accomplish with these meetings?
1: What was clear to me as the rule changes were going through is that uh, parents were having a difficult time uh, inserting their voice into the into the policy making or even the political process that. That determine so many of the of the policies, and uh, and so there was a and, and then also experiences in, in certain areas around the state as well have led to um, distrust and um, and frustration among parents. So anytime any change is proposed, I think it would, in some in some ways, it's, it's looked at very, in a very skeptical fashion by parents because the experience has been really rough over the course of uh, over the course of their time and experience with it, and so. What I wanted to do was just give a, a place, a safe place for people to go and, and advocate or just explain what their experience has been like I do I do have some ideas, some things I want to change in, in uh, the special education process to make it work better. but I thought it was important that before I propose changes that uh, that I spend time just listening, and that's what this uh, uh, these town halls type meetings, a lot of, a lot of times at the town halls, you know, you, ha- you have the public official does a lot of talking. I don't do a lot of talking in these. I, I go to listen and just literally sit there for, for, um, for hours and listen to parents just talk about what has happened in their district, the things that have gone right, the things that have gone wrong, the things that they struggle with, the things that could help. And, I'm, and as I collect that information, i'm um, my my hope is to use it and, and I'll continue to do this over the summer but my hope is to use it as the uh, the foundation of the building blocks to build an agenda to uh, to make special education uh, more successful for our families especially for our students and uh, we also launched a an, an online survey it's, just, it's a short survey it's um, eight questions long and it's uh it's to gain some additional insight from from parents, you maybe can't really make it to something, um, you know, like a like a town hall type meeting. When you have a when, when you have a, a child in special education, a lot of times that means it's hard to get away. It's hard to uh, to go to something like that. So, uh, if somebody were to go to my uh, my website, michigan.gov/calley, um, you'll find right on that uh, right on the main page a link to a survey. And um, it doesn't take long to fill out. Although you, it does have space for, for people to put volumes, you know, of information if they want, um, or they could email me information as well that, that, that doesn't fit into the survey. But what we really want to do is um, is to is to have parents or give parents an elevated or a strong voice in um, in what in where, where the deficiencies are and use that to set the priorities for where we go in the future.
0: Right, that's great. You know, I was fortunate enough to attend the meeting that you held here in Grand Rapids, and uh, the one thing that a lot of parents said after the meeting that I've talked to since then, they all say it was just amazing that you really didn't say a whole lot. Instead, you just wanted to listen and that you and your staff were taking lots of notes and really paying attention to what people were saying, and they thought that was really, really amazing.
1: It it is a, um, there's not enough listening that happens in the um, in the public policy development process, you know, everybody has experience. Everybody has opinions. That you know that people that are elected, they you know they they come in with a lot of uh, experiences and opinions. This is an area, though, where even a parent like me, that has a, a tremendous amount of experience with the IEP process and and uh, having a daughter with autism. Um, all I know, though, is my local school district and the experience that we've had with with, uh, with my children. I don't I don't know anything, uh, really, unless unless I listen uh, about what the experience of other parents and other situations in other school districts um, have had. And so that's why it's so critically important that uh, that the first step in this process really be to listen and gather information so that we can make intelligent decisions that really affect the uh, the outcomes of uh, of our families
0: Yeah, th- that wonderful and I, like I said, it was just really impressed a lot of people too now, when you started the meeting you you opened up with a a very interesting uh statement about labeling and I thought it was really profound and I was wondering if you could uh give that uh, right now for the listeners of the podcast about uh you know the how labels can work against people
1: yeah you know there's a um, the, the way that our system works today is that there 's eligibility criteria to re- receive services and so what'll happen is the um, there will be an evaluation done and, um, and and so for example with my daughter they put a label autism now she has a medical diagnosis of autism as well mm-hmm. and um, and so that's that's an, that 's an appropriate um, diagnosis at the same time though what we found is that there's a there's a um, there's a set of, of expectations uh, that come along with having that label, and they're limiting factors. They're, um, in, in, in many cases, very low expectations, and, and, and that really concerns me about a system um, that is, you know, if there's a system that is meant to educate and build uh, the best possible future for a child, I don't think that it's going to do as as well as it could, if it comes with low expectations, if it's skeptical about what is possible, and uh, and so that's that's the uh, that's the difficult part about about having these types of um, these types of labels. I, I understand from a from a service eligibility criteria why they're there, but we need to be very very careful that the label doesn't uh, doesn't isn't accompanied by Low expectations or an attitude that because there is this diagnosis or because there is this factor um, that the uh, the child will achieve less. That's not a that's not something that we should we should F for any child that we should determine on the front end. We should go in assuming that every child can achieve, and we're going to do everything that we can to help them achieve. And uh, and like any other child, just like a neurotypical a neurotypical child. Some um, will struggle more than others. We wouldn't try to predetermine that somebody's going to be really good at math and not as good as English or, or not very good at science and very strong at math. I mean, uh, the, different students have different strengths, and, uh, and we really need to give them the, um, the the support in order to do the very best that they can do in, uh, in all the different areas without the uh, the predetermined outcomes that uh, that it, that somehow, because a child has a particular label that they uh, are are unable to achieve or um, unworthy of the uh, of the effort to to help them to reach their highest potential
0: right, well, I think it was the way you said the um, how you know think of the one thing that you have the most difficulty doing and then how would you yeah, like to Yeah, and that be... is
1: a, um, mm-hmm. I think that's a, it's one of the things that it really, and it does touch people closely, particularly those I've found when I'm talking to, to groups of people that do not have a, uh, any ex- direct experience with a developmental disability, maybe, or an intellectual disability, mm-hmm. to say, okay. If you, were to, if you were to think about the one thing that you are very bad at, you know, everybody has things that they're good at and they're bad at. You know, I think about even when, when I get introduced and they'll read my biography. You know, they only put the things that I'm good at in my biography. They only put successes in my biography. They don't lead off when, uh, with the things that I'm bad at. Well, the, the world of a person with a disability is the exact opposite. The thing that the weakness that they have, the thing that they're not as good at, that's the definition of who they are uh, to so much of our society. And you'll never get a fair shake at life if there is an obsession over the weakness instead of um, building around strengths. You know, I think our, our system really does need to to convert over to um, to one that really builds around strengths, celebrates and builds around strengths, and mitigates weaknesses instead of saying that a person um, is instead of saying a person is defined according to a disability, uh, that should be that should be the thing that we uh, that we seek to, to, to mitigate weaknesses that come along with a disability but find those strengths and do everything that we can do to build on them
0: Right. Now, during these meetings, you've been hearing from a large number of citizens around the state about special education in their districts, and I'm sure you've had a huge amount of opinions, but there, is there any consensus as far as what people want for special education or some of the things that they've been talking about?
1: The experiences have been varied, and I do want to acknowledge that I've actually heard from, uh, from a fair number of parents that, have, that are very, very uh, satisfied or happy with the services that they're getting in, in some areas. Mm-hmm. Um, of the state and some districts, um, but the uh, I would say the consistent problem that i 've come across there 's one issue that i 've heard in everywhere i 've been so far it is that um, that communication or under, and understanding about the IEP process um, is is severely lacking, and so a lot of a lot of parents feel like they go into meetings not understanding enough about how the process works, what their rights are, the sorts of things that um, they, they can ask for that they should expect um, and then when when changes are made or things happen at school that the, that there's often a, a difficult time getting the information that the communication is not um, as strong as it, as it could be. And the reason that that is such a concern that communication aspect is a concern is because, when there are uh, when there are problems, you think about like if there's a especially like a dramatic problem, maybe like a meltdown type of a situation at school, that there really does need to be a comprehensive review of what what led to that problem and what are some things that may be contributed to it before school or, uh, in, or on the way to school or. Um, what are the things that uh, contributed to, to it happening um, at school? And for there to really be all the people that are involved in that child's life to really communicate well together about how we can um, respond to and, um, and, and build a, a better framework around children that are struggling. And without, without strong communication, that won't happen. And, um, and I would say that's the most consistent thing I've heard, is that uh, there's a frustration that the, that the communication, a lot of breakdowns in communication, and then and I think it's only heightened with the stress of building an IEP and going into IEP meetings, um, either feeling like the, the decisions were already made before the parent got there or that the parent just feels unequipped to uh, to advocate effectively for their child because they just don't know the process well enough. So I think we have a lot of work to do on the communication front and um, uh, on the you know I, I was I had already again we're we're going to continue to get feedback throughout the summer here, but but I could already tell that um, providing resources to parents to understand more about how the IEP process works, what their rights are, and the sorts of things that they can. Um, they can ask for um, th- th- those are those are things that we need to figure out how to get that information to parents
0: hmm yeah cuz uh, communication definitely is a key factor in there and you're right a lot of parents do feel overwhelmed with the IEP because there's so much in the way of legal jargon and technical jargon going on that uh, you get overwhelmed
1: you really do some parents go into IEP meetings if they can afford it with lawyers you should not have to have a lawyer to, to establish a, um, an IEP for your, for your child. That's a, I think it's a good sign that um, it's too complicated and, in some cases, too confrontational. And, um, and so that's a you – know, thankfully, you know, the lawyer situation is not the common situation, um, but it, it is a, um, I think it's a sign, as, particularly as we see lawsuits rise. Um, it's a sign that we, we've got work to do in this area, and uh, that's what my hope with the survey is to is to show um, the policy making bodies here at the at the state capitol, to, to show them that this is a big deal. You might not hear a lot about it because uh, special education families are in you know, a lot of times just really struggling to get by, trying to get through the day. The idea of you know, coming to Lansing or being a part of an advocacy movement is not particularly realistic, and um, and so they might not hear a lot about it. But it's real and it's important, and um, and the, and the issues are growing. And so, with the survey, what I want to do is show them in just raw numbers that this is a big deal and it's one that we need to uh, that we need to deal with.
0: Right now, we're going to post a link to the survey on the podcast page for this, and also you're, uh, you you sent a press release about it to explain more about what the survey does, and we'll make sure that's up there too. Um, you're, you stated that your goal is to hopefully get 10,000 people to respond to the survey. Um, how important is this, the number of people to respond?
1: You know, it's basically I look at it like the more the better. We've already had over 1,200 people um, respond to it, and uh, what I want to do is I want to make sure that we have a substantial amount of responses from all over the state. So that um, so that when, you know, they'll have areas, I think what we'll find is there are some areas where there's a high level of satisfaction with what's happening in some school districts. And um, and so I think we could probably learn from what's happening in those areas. And, and then other areas where there's much more difficulty, then um, we can try and understand, you know, where are the breakdowns and what's missing in order to, to have better uh, satisfaction among the people that are, that are using um, those services or need those services. And so um, I, I, I believe in order for the, uh, for the information to be relevant in every single district that we need a lot of responses. Um, I set just kind of a personal goal of I'd, I'd like to get 10,000, I'd like to get even more than that. I, it's a, um, you know, the, this, the more information that, that we have, the more input that we have in this process the more success we will, um, we will have in, in, um, in affecting real change. So this, I look at this as a way to really mobilize parents in addition to, um, to just having survey results, but also having a, a big number to take to the Department of Education, to school districts, to the legislature, and to, and to our internal staff as we work on policy development and say, here's our roadmap, here, here, here's what the people that we serve are telling us. And I think the bigger that number is that responds, um, the, the heavier that voice will be. So um, in, in, in terms of its impact and, and affecting change for the future. So it's, it's something that, um, you know, we have, I think we have a couple hundred thousand um, uh, families or students with IEPs in, in the state. Um, I, the, the more of those families that we can get to weigh in, the better. And here's the other thing, too, is sometimes there's a tendency people that have issues or problems um, that are more inspired to go out there and, and fill out the survey. But I want to encourage people, even if you feel like, you know what, I'm pretty lucky and I feel blessed and I'm in a good, um, in a, in a good situation with my, uh, with my child and very satisfied, I'd like to know about that, too, uh, that w- I think that we can learn a lot from the districts that have a high level of satisfaction from their parents and uh, what, what are the best practices. How have they figured out how to communicate better, better prepare uh, families and, and parents to go into IEP meetings and feel like they've really been heard and it's a cooperative experience for everybody. Um, developing best practices, I think a lot of that has to do with identifying areas where parents are very happy with the services. So I would encourage, even if, you're, even if you're very satisfied, I'd still like to hear from you.
0: That's great. Now, I know you're planning on a number of meetings still throughout the summer. Where could people go to find out where those meetings will take place and what time and that sort of thing so they can uh, come and uh, meet you and talk to you about it?
1: We will do um, a, a social media uh, push on it for sure. Now that we've done this interview as well, I'll make sure to get the information to you. Um, and, and then um, just on the, um, on the, on the website, so the, the notifications that we do um, at my, uh, my website on, on michigan.gov and the notifications on my schedule that we send out uh, from time to time as, as well on um, each day as we do, what are my public appearances going to be. Um, so, um, but I would say probably the most consistent place somebody could go would just be uh, my Facebook fan page. Um, I, I always make sure to, to, to post it there, and um, and that's uh, that's an area where I think people can um, can have kind of a central uh, you know central place. It's just under my name, Brian Kelly, and um, that that particular it's not actually a government thing. It's it's just you know anything going on. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I did the torch run yesterday or a couple of days ago for a Special Olympics, so there's a lot of information on there about that too, right. but that's kind of a central place for all the things that I'm up to and the things that I'm doing um, that I would encourage people to take a look at. but the normal channels as well about how when I mean, we we announce and we do the releases on my schedule and where i'm going to be it'll be in that as well, uh, but uh, sometimes a little easier just uh you know I suspect there's a lot of people listening to your podcast that probably already follow me on on social media. Mm-hmm. And I'll try and make sure that uh, we very prominently announce uh, the, the, uh, the locations and the dates at that, uh, in, in those channels.
0: Well, thanks. And I'll uh, make sure to put up a link to also to your uh, Facebook page and everything else that we talked about, so that way people can go right to it. Um, last, uh, I guess, to sum it up, what are your hopes for the special education rules and what you want to, uh, what you want to let parents know that you hope to accomplish with these meetings and all this information?
1: As a practical matter, the um, the rules that were up last year, I, I think those are those are done. Uh, they're, um, that if the if the Department of Education wanted to propose new rule changes, I think they need to start the process over. Um, I, w- I have encouraged them to, to wait um, to to do that because um, because we we just have a lot of listening to do. And I think the more. And by the way, I have um, extended an invitation to other officials, uh, both in the Michigan Department of Education and um, some of my uh, colleagues in the legislative process, to go to these, um, go on this listening tour with me. And have had some great feedback. I think I am going to have some uh, some other folks join me, and I'm I'm really excited about that because um, I'd, I'd I'd love for people to hear firsthand. It's it's kind of as you you know you were there in, in Kent County and you. In, in grand rapids you, you got you heard firsthand it's it's a heavy experience i mean mm-hmm. to really these are tough situations and people that are in uh living in under very difficult circumstances but but I also go away fr- from those meetings feeling uh confident that um you know, we've got these strong families out there and I think they can make a a big difference so i i'm um I'm excited about just building a, an agenda from the feedback of parents and then using that to affect change as opposed to kind of top, a top-down approach that I think has been taken sometimes in the past where people think up ideas without a strong communication link with the people that are receiving the, ser- the services. And, um, and so the, the fact that we're starting with people receiving the services, I think, is going to lend itself much better to having uh, an effective and uh, relevant agenda that people um, that could really help people and 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 also take some big steps toward gaining trust in a, in a place where where we've got a lot of trust building to 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 accomplish
0: wonderful well lieutenant governor Kelly. thank you so much for being on uh, special parents confidential
1: my pleasure thank you for the invitation
0: my thanks again to Michigan's Lieutenant Governor Brian Kelly for joining us on this episode of Special Parents Confidential. As we said in the interview, you'll find links to the Lieutenant Governor's website, the online survey page, his Facebook page where he announces the upcoming open meetings, and a press release that explains what happens at the meetings and why they and the online survey are so important. We'll post those all on the page for this podcast episode on our website. And as we always do at this point, a reminder that if you like this episode of Special Parents Confidential or any episode we've done, please share our site with your friends, family, and all your connections on social media. You can do this easily with the social media buttons on our website. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, add us on Google+, Tumblr, LinkedIn, Pinterest, StumbleUpon, Reddit, or other social media sites that you use. You can also sign up for our email service and have new posts and podcast episodes delivered right to your inbox the moment they're available online. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher as a free subscription. And if you have a moment, feel free to write a review about our podcast. Anything you can do to help spread the word about Special Parents Confidential will help us be able to continue these podcasts. And that's it for this episode of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini. Thanks for listening.